began hearing voices and screams and crying. I would hear all the sounds of hell. I don't like this. This isn't real, and I'm, I'm a business lady now. I'm gonna buy craft paper! Craft paper can't love you back! It's a kind of horror that is worse than, like, in the movies. You and I made a, uh, a devil's pact of sorts about a month uh, ago. If by devil's pact, you mean me innocently <laughs> being proposed a pact by the devil, <laughs> then yes. All right, yeah, because I, I think, what was the setup I gave to you? This is an idea you and I had years ago when we started War Machine vs. War Horse for, for a show called Streams Crossed or Streams Crossing. Where you just would exchange. Across the strings. Yeah, you just exchange something. Yeah, something something that's on a streaming service Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that presumably the other person, like, has a meme checkout or, you know, one person deems they should have checked this out by now. Yeah. And so you had one, and I'll I'll let you introduce it. You had one in your back pocket that had been out for, I think, a few years at this point. Came out in 2015. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that's a documentary. Now, granted, I'm going to give you a little bit of hell not exactly like it wasn't like you said hey mike why don't we watch and discuss raising arizona or dumb and dumber like no uh i think your topic of choice is sleep uh paralysis and Mm -hmm. this idea of like this shared hellscape and dreamland (laughs) for your saturday night movie watching (laughs) yeah the nightmare Okay, so my choice it's a little, it's a little bit more innocent than that because we have both watched um, Room Two Thirty Seven, okay. which was the previous documentary mm-hmm. from this director, and I think we both really liked it. And so when this one came out, I was very excited to check it out, and I'd heard some good things about it beforehand because of the fact that uh, not only is it discussing these really scary things <laughs> that these people experience, but it's kind of meta, as in like you can't. It's almost like watching the Ring video. You're like, oh god, have I caught it now by watching this? <laughs> I had, I'd heard that. I don't know if you had told me or if I just you know in like a, a brief sort of like tweet or summary or something where it's this idea that when you're like sort of introduced to this thought, which isn't really out of bounds for I guess how dreams work in that way, right, like whatever's right. on your mind. Uh, I'll just give a spoiler alert. I slept like a baby, man. I didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Well, good. Fortunately, I have as well, and, and I've watched it twice now. So, uh, still, still kicking. Okay, but yeah, I mean, I can't say this is like a movie you would expect um, just anybody to have watched because it's it's a doc. First off, it's a documentary. I know those aren't as popular for the mainstream, but uh, it's very cinematic you know, though for a documentary. It it is. I mean, and it's. It's very engaging, I think. But I certainly felt like, um, well, I know for a fact that I had suggested that you needed to watch it previously, anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was on my queue. It was on mm-hmm. my list, because, like hundreds of other things that <laughs> right, get right. lost. <laughs> but knowing you were a fan of uh, Room Two Thirty Seven, I was like, okay, yeah, you might needs to check this one out. So uh, I, there's really no way you can spin this, Mike. You, you can try to make me sound like the villain all you mm-hmm. want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in my movie selection, but I was honorable in my choice. I played the game honorably, <laughs> as in I picked a, what I consider to be a good movie. 
that you hadn't seen yet. Something you had seen before, so you can vouch so, for it. And mm -hmm. as you said, from a filmmaker that I had enjoyed their previous work. Yes. And I went the opposite way. Oh, you sure did. <laughs> I have loving energies, and this unicorn is going to love all of my energies. And if she doesn't, then she can just go back to her sad little forest, okay? As I mentioned, energy is just a temp, so... Well, this is not a vacuum for your house. This is a vacuum for your soul. The most grown-up thing you can do is fail at things you really care about. Really? Because I'm really good at messing things up. And coffee. Well, you don't like coffee. No, that was just old kid. She didn't try hard enough to like things that were disgusting. This presentation, because I keep trying to draw vacuums. And every time I do, I just want to draw rainbow kittens. I'm a grown-up now. And I've made a decision. I'm getting a unicorn. <laughs> I, I chose, and um, this is, a, I guess, a newish release, um, Unicorn Store by uh, Brie Larson with her, uh, I believe, directorial debut. I don't know if this yeah. is, uh, I don't think, did she write this? Maybe, I think it was a different no, writer. No, she okay. Didn't. Yeah, she didn't write it. Um, so we'll take that away from her, and I'm sure you'll take away more. Uh, but this is one that had set kind of on the shelf for a couple of years before Netflix, like just recently, like in the last few months, I think picked up the rights and probably like, you know, kind of a smart ish business move. They're like, they're going to release it a few weeks after Captain Marvel. So it's, you know, it'll get some clicks. How long people stick with it, I don't know. But uh, because of our Devil's Pact, uh, <laughs> I gave you this gift of, what was it? 90 minutes? You gave, them a, you gave them a gift of two clicks is what you did. <laughs> two clicks that they would not have got. At least one click they would not have gotten before. It was amusing to me where our, our respective uh, headspaces, I guess, were. Where you're picking a film uh, about real people uh, afraid of what they're going to dream. And I chose a uh, fictional a film where all the supporting characters are afraid of what Brie Larson is dreaming up. <laughs> and she's the little walking nightmare. I, I think I'm going to surprise you here, Josh. Oh no. I kind of, kind of dug this movie. Oh no. Now I'll admit it opens <sighs> and it was opening. I was taking <laughs> like, I guess it's like the, the old man in me, like the basis form of trolling was I had it on my iPad at work on lunch break yeah. and i'm like let's let's take this in segments unicorn store let's <laughs> and i took my phone out and i think the first scene is brie larson's like almost unhinged looking face as she paints this wall like at you know it's revealed later like whatever school she's at this art program mm -hmm. and she's covered in all all the Litter rainbow colors yes we're not we're not talking about a uh I guess what you would assume would be like a serious artist. Like this is someone that is uh, reveling in youth and childhood and they kind of present the characters that a little bit stunted. She, she is comically covered in paint as if somebody, like if she was doing like body painting, you you would think she had dunked herself in paint and was like patting her it's body like the, uh, against the canvas. It's like uh, she learned to do art by like, like someone would be like, oh, I think I'm going to learn how to do sculpture by watching the scene from Ghost. By just like yeah, just yeah. getting it all over, just right in there, <laughs> get mm -hmm. those Swayze yeah. hands in there, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be on the 
the Richter scale, this is going to be, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be fun to talk about because it's, it follows up with a close up shot of like people, like, I guess, flunking her, like, you know, like all these judges or professors, Mm -hmm. whoever they are, like poor, like, and scowling at her and her, like (laughs) heartbroken face. And I'm immediately thinking, I hate this character. I hate this person because I, I already referenced Dumb and Dumber once. Uh, with a little knock on your film as far as like, why don't you give me something pleasant and easy to think about? Mm-hmm. One of the charms of Dumb and Dumber <laughs> is that the characters portrayed by Jim Carrey, uh, you know, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't expect the world to like fall to his knees. Like he's kind of been beaten down enough. He's still an optimist, like the Brie Larson character. Yeah, yeah. But there's no expectation that what he does is worthy of anyone else's affection. Like he's misguided, but he's not entirely clueless. And I'm like, are we really presenting, you know, a young adult grown woman who just turns around and is like, what do you mean you don't like this? And like no reading of the room whatsoever. Like you look at all the other students next door and you're like, it'd been one thing if you're like trolling the, you know, the snooty art people, like I'm going to paint a unicorn up here and I'm going to throw paint over the walls. Suck it. But instead, it's like there's this expectation, like, you don't love this? Like, I love this? This isn't high art to you? <laughs> and I hated this character. Mm-hmm. I'm with you so far. But then I kind of started to like her, because she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't grow at all. <laughs> like, she doesn't, yeah. like, she doesn't change. <laughs> she doesn't learn her lesson. She just kind of steamrolls through people. And it, it gets to a point in the film where she, for whatever reason, through, it looks like some sort of, like... Uh, you know, sexual cues that she's not reading from her boss that she's given this opportunity to pitch this like new vacuum cleaner. Um, yeah, and I mean, she comes in in full on kook mode, just you know, dressed in. I, I I don't know. It looks like she's a Christmas tree, like a walking Christmas tree come right, to life, right? And throws glitter all over these people as if they're at you know the world's. <laughs> most G-rated strip club. <laughs> and I, at that point in the film, I'm like, I'm into this. I'm into it because <laughs> this is a horror movie and we're watching, <laughs> we're watching Jason or Freddy Krueger not realize that they're the bad guy and they're, <laughs> they're terrorizing people <laughs> and they don't understand that they're the villain. <sighs> I, You know, if I had your special brain to be able to like watch it through that lens. Maybe I could find some entertainment, but you, you are having to, uh, you're having to work to find that entertainment in that film. I'm trying to get uh, into her headspace. I'm into that dark place. Okay. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you where my mind went and it's going to sound like I'm being mean, like on a real world level here. And I'm, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm, I'm certainly sympathetic to this part of the population, but I cannot help it that the movie made me think it was going there. And that's because of everything you just said, <laughs> like this, she's an adult, but she's still in this world where it's like, you know, unicorns. This disconnect you know, when, that she clearly has. Mm-hmm. Talking to her care bears before she goes to bed. Unless uh, she drinks wine, I think. Yeah. Having some, the, the, this is a side tangent, but like, I had a hard time getting a grasp on the the world of this movie because it's almost like, okay, is she like a fish out of water type character or is this just everybody's zany? Because, like, you know, like her boss has that dry humor, you know, like, you know, and so I was like, okay, I can't tell if this is like one of those movies where everybody's just 
kind of off because that's the humor of the film. And her parents are kind of a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. <laughs> Although I feel yeah. like they're like uh, <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein and they're <laughs> they're being punished for their parenting <laughs> skills. <done>. Yeah. <laughs> what they yeah. brought. So, but it, there's no doubt that Brie Larson's character is certainly um, off kilter from everybody else. And so we proceed through the movie and everything, you know, there's weird things happening, stuff that should not be real. You Nick know, Fury, for one. Going, yes, yes. Get an invitation to a place called The Store, and when you go to it, <laughs> <laughs> there's all these digital signs and everything welcoming you specifically to get into an elevator with no buttons to take you to a special floor with, yes, Nick Fury wearing a wig with tinsel strung up in it, <laughs> wearing a big pink suit or whatever it was he was it, it's okay i wondered if it was like the mace window thing where he insisted on the purple lightsaber did he insist hey, on this color uh attire I th- I, completely completely possible he he's he's a fascinating man that <laughs> sam jackson <laughs> but uh in this in particular yes yes <laughs> so i took all that I was, i'm absorbing it I'm, I'm annoyed with it for the most part but then like uh, we get to the scene where she does like a day with her parents, uh, where they're like helping the the youth that they're. Yeah, it's like a youth counseling camp kind of trip. Yeah. Yeah, and when everybody does their whole little circle of truth thing, where it's like everybody's kind of letting their emotions out, why they feel vulnerable or whatnot. Now some of the other kids are like, nah, we just lie, just to get them off our backs and stuff. And then Brie Larson tells them the truth about, oh, I'm getting this unicorn, and uh, it's going to be awesome. It'll love me forever. And uh, so of course they're like, okay, why are you screwing around with us? Mm-hmm. You know, like we, you know, you're, you're being a jerk. And uh, she's like, no, no, I'm not. And the dad ends up being like, uh, well, she ends up saying, like, no, all these kids are lying, right? And I'm the one bringing the truth here, and they yeah. are not. Yeah. Well, at the end, he says, you know, those kids, like, we know they're all lying. He's like, but, you know, sometimes it helps get to the under, the underlying issues, you know, and they, they, they've all got stuff going on. I was like, oh, is this going to be, is this his subtle way of saying, like, there's something wrong with you. And you're, you know, we know you're lying, but this is going to help get to the bottom <laughs> of it. And I was like, oh, here we go. You know, this is going to be a reveal. Like, at the end, there's going to be like a twist that, like, this is all in a snow globe or something that her, uh. Special mind is all of it's been set up to like bring her out of whatever whatever shell she's yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, she's she's yeah. We're going to see something through a different lens at the end of this. It's going to be like, okay, yeah, she's got like some sort of autism or something going on. But uh, I, I will say maybe I'm going to continue to read it that way because to me. <laughs> The movie reads maybe a little bit better if that's actually what's going on. It's like everybody's just trying to help her uh, work through it. The ending is brutal. I, I told you the beginning. I'm like, man, I'm going to hate this. And then the the ending, I'm also not a fan of. Because I do think that if Ree Larson is developing a reputation as like her art is more, I don't know if you'd say politically motivated, but... Uh, you know, social cause through her art. Like it's, you know, which... I, I can't really say, like, if you're doing a superhero movie, necessarily, it's going to be perceived of that. But with Captain Marvel, you know, they they did kind of embrace the fact that they were, like, for Marvel, they're doing the first, like, female-led superhero film, right? 
Like you're yeah. only going to be able to bang that drum so many times where you're like, yeah, it's it's, it's a high paying job in a <laughs> a capes movie. Like you're shooting mm-hmm. flames out of your hand. But and what, Wonder Woman did it a year ago better. So go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I also I did. Slipped out. I also did prefer uh, Wonder Woman quite a bit. But you know, and so I expect a great deal of that in a film that she's directing. That can you know, independent film that's you know more personal in nature. But I also think that's where, like, as much as I like her playing a character that is just totally got blinders on to how people like react to her and does her own thing. Like there are a lot of movies like that where you, you kind of live in that fantasy. And I think as adults, you probably live more in that fantasy than you do superhero stuff. You're like, man, I could just, I wish I could just do whatever the hell I wanted and tell people to screw off. Like I'm doing my thing. <laughs> yeah. There, there is that sort of wish fulfillment tone to this, this movie, but it's, it's got to be like, it's when they want to reveal that it's like, you know, getting the unicorn, isn't like all it's cracked up to be that sort of thing. Like, you know, like the getting the three wishes or whatever, there's a big speech at the end about like sort of passing that torch. And I felt like, okay, are, would that character say that? Because everything I've seen up to this point, I think that this character is pretty dead set on getting, that was not an earned moment. <laughs> yeah. like, it came out left field. Really? Like it felt like the, Brie Larson, somebody else needs you better than me. The person, you know, her beliefs more so than this particular character. Cause I like the character that she's so, not selfish, but she she's into her own shit to the exclusion of what everybody else cares about. And that's, that is very like cool. And it's very appropriate in films where you don't have to see that person live on for decades and decades dealing with everything they've done, screwing people over or, you know, chasing their unicorns. But so it it wants to like have it both ways. I think it's probably the biggest problem with the movie mm-hmm. is it wants to have that sort of fantasy um, and then have that teaching moment where we're going to pass this on. It would, for somebody like myself, who was mostly negative throughout that movie, it could have been a pretty <laughs> impactful ending and entertaining ending. Had it been like, well, got to take this unicorn home <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, parks it in the backyard and the little, uh, shed they make for it and roll credits. Let us I remember mean, that, I'll, I'll keep referencing the classic, maybe the greatest film of all time, Dumb and Dumber. When Jim Carrey loses the girl, but he's saved her. He saved her, and he saved her fiance from this crazy scheme from you yeah. know the the Fairley Brothers, the uh, the Best Picture winning one Fairley Brother <laughs> for Green Book. <laughs> uh, there is a dream sequence where he, while he agrees in reality to awkwardly shake the man's hand, he imagines killing him and taking this <laughs> yeah. woman. <laughs> And I, uh, you know, I've been shouting that one out, but there's, there's another film. I don't know if you've seen called young adult with Charlie Theron. It's one of my favorites. I haven't watched that one. That's about a, a, a woman, you know, who's kind of stuck in, in this case, stuck in her like high school days. Okay. And she goes back home on her own personal quest that everyone else tells her that's a really bad idea. Like that's kind of <laughs> dangerous and selfish and like, you're going to harm other people's lives and probably your own. And like this character, Bull in the China Shop, she just goes for it. But it has a very, I won't spoil it for you, it has a very different lesson than what's ending of this mm. one. So mm. I highly remember, I think you'll enjoy that one, actually. So I'll give this movie the credit of there's a good movie in there. They could have made some uh, more uh, edgier choices one way or the other with the direction of where to take some of this. Uh, 
it doesn't really know what type of movie it wants to be. It's just really messy, I feel like, uh, because it's like it, like you said, by the end of it, it's kind of turned into this, like, message movie, like where it's trying to have, like, a, as I was watching the movie, I did not feel like it was a movie that was really driving home a message or anything. I just kind of thought this is, like, like I said, zany characters, kind of a zany premise. Most, like, oh, are, are we, like you said, maybe a family melodrama, where it's these these parents trying to, like, help out their child when they realize yeah. there's something going on. Yeah. Right, right. And any any of those bold moves, I think, would have really elevated it, and it would have been something good. But it's really just, uh, as far as, like, the, the story itself, it's just really, just, it's a mess, is all, all I can say. Um, I mean, I, I think Brie Larson as a director is fine there i mean it's hard to tell because the material itself is just it's not an easy it's not a layup for a first-time filmmaker as you said i think that the these the tonal issues alone as far as that you know going for any sort of like magical realism where it's like wait is the sam jackson in this like pink suit sort of angel does he really have like a store that can like give you your number one wish and uh or it or is this a case about a woman who you know, is facing a crisis point as, as we see in the opening scene where she's just sort of laying on the couch, like her dreams have been crushed and she's like grasping onto something that's not real. There's certain choices that they made. And I think maybe this would have been where as a director, maybe she should have stepped in and said, you know, this needs to be changed. Like the fact that the, uh, friend slash boyfriend, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, shows up at the unicorn store at the end. I was like, well, he validates that it's real. Mm-hmm. So as an audience member, there's no even like, okay, so maybe this was her coming to terms with things. Maybe it was a psychological experience or, or, or whatever. No, no. There was a crazy unicorn store. They saw a unicorn. And that's fine, too. But if, if if you're saying that's true, now I have 50 other questions <laughs> that lead to probably a more interesting movie than what you gave me. Um, so... Yeah, because I think there's go deeper one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they try to use that as some sort of like, it's like a twist. It's too close to the, the end there. Um, I I like the Virgil character because he because he sort of like validates her like the good points about her, but also voices concerns when she's yeah doing yeah. things that seem like they could be harmful to her you know future endeavors. Uh, but at most, you know, he's, he's someone that is, he's willing to listen and the, the parents are willing to listen to a point. And I kind of wish the film had relied more on them. Um, mm-hmm. like almost like sort of handing off the film to those characters. Like once this reaches a threshold of sort of zaniness that we need to pull back from, but no, they kind of double down on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, not a, not a win for me, Mike. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I'll say, you know, the nightmare wasn't for me. Um, there are elements I like, I like the style of it. Right. Cause it actually mm-hmm. it like, okay. So one qualm I had with this and probably like pushed it back in my queue was if you ever want to get me to zone out and start thinking about, um, I don't know, dumb and dumber again, <laughs> or Charlize <laughs> Theron more likely, uh, just in general is say, Hey man, I had a crazy dream. <laughs> and then I'm like that sort of white noise or like Homer Simpson style seeing monkeys like throw a ball back and forth with each other. Like, cause dreams inherently kind of don't make sense, right? Like they're, they're gaps in right. the, the narratives that, you know, the, that dream world doesn't work the same way. 
And they introduce something that they kind of drift away from, which is the universal nature of like this, like these specific figures. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I guess I thought like, oh, that's what this is. That is, I was like, no, that's really strange. Like, what is that? Because there, there are certain things that people always tell you, like uh, showing up to like school naked or something, or a public space, right. work, whatever. Uh, one that I have uh, quite a bit is like that, uh, like I'm in a car and I can't either I'm driving or someone else is and I can't stop it. The brakes don't work or whatever. That feeling that mm. you're that powerless, uh, uh, which I've read is just you know just a general sign of stress. Like you know that you know you can't control sure. things. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, that's I can kind of go there because I've. I've had things that apparently are in textbooks as very common dreams. And then I've had some Mm -hmm. that are like highly personal and make like zero sense. It's like an episode of Twin Peaks where I'm like, there's no, (laughs) no way to do that. But they start to drift away from that. I guess when they're getting into their, like, you know, their crazier dreams, it goes from like these universal figures to, well, someone saw like, you know, a kid from school and there's this large man next to him or, yeah, yeah. Someone sees a cat there's, with a red There's eyes. variations. There's variations. And it got to that point where I'm, I, I was confused. I'm like, well, wait, what? You know, what is this? You introduced this one thing, but I'm like, so we've mm-hmm. kind of veered from that. What? Where, where are we going now? Because now I just feel like I'm just, I'm just kind of seeing a series of uh, scary stuff that were in people's heads. But it, you know, I'm not experiencing it myself. Right. Uh, I think you know, I guess the common thread is that. And, and for the listener, we should probably stress that, that this isn't just dreams, but it's like we mentioned earlier, it's uh, sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. So it's kind Very of specific, like, yeah. it's almost like um, they always make it, they always, when, it, when the people in the, the film are describing it, they always say it feels like they wake up. It's like they fall asleep and then they wake up. It's but like what a, it, it's a like really bad version of lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's not so much that they're like just having weird dreams, but they're sitting there thinking that they're awake and cannot move. So it's kind of like you're dreaming about laying there in your bed. So it and, adds an extra layer of like reality to something that's yeah. not. And and th- there's the fact then that you cannot control your you know that dream self. And I guess some of them say it, it even you know reflects the the real world version of them. So just in terms of like affects their breathing. Um, they have a hard time waking up, shaking out of it. Some of them even start to feel pain within the dream. And they said they wake up feeling that pain. So there appears to be like a strong connection between like the, what the brain is perceiving to be happening to it because it seems so real to them. So I think the common thread with all those situations that th- these were things that were happening to them during the sleep paralysis, not just like standard bad dreams necessarily. But uh, I agree with you that the most interesting part of it is the the commonality, the uh, (laughs) these images of shadow men or a shadow man with a hat that not just the people in this film, but like it's documented like all different countries uh, that like people have these, visions during sleep paralysis of, of these different things. And, you know, you can look at that either way. You know, you can either say, like, kind of like what you mentioned earlier, like, well, that's interesting that there's something uh, common to the human experience that would make several people have that same type of vision or experience. Or, as some of the people in the film, you know, even kind of, they lean it towards actually thinking there's some sort of, like, 
spiritual side to it that it's not just like an illness but that like they're actually being kind of tortured by some sort of metaphysical entity or something uh, I think you Rodney Asher I, I, I really 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 enjoyed uh, Room 237 and oh he lets the crazies pro- talk he, he, he lets, lets them tell he you. Lets them talk. He doesn't. He doesn't direct. I mean, he doesn't direct them in terms of like that movie. I I don't think he is even audible in that movie. Uh, I think all I think we, we hear are the. We just go from one person's theory to the next. We just sort of yeah. bounce around. Yeah, it's just a. It's just a, like a a fluid stream of their their theories and stuff. And some of them are plausible, and some of them are super crazy. But he just lets them be them, and I feel like he's kind of letting them do that here there's a little bit of a question answer back and forth just a couple times but i think maybe to a fault he might have kind of just let that stuff go rather than maybe trying to focus in on some of that stuff like what we were saying like the more universal side of not not that those other aspects aren't interesting but he probably could have laser focused on some of that stuff that really raises the questions like why do they all think the same thing yeah. why does everybody see a shadow man with a hat and- i'm trying to remember with uh you know his shining documentary if if that had, if i had any sort of issues with it which i don't think so but you know maybe certain people did i don't know if he leads with like the best material or the i don't i can't remember in the construction of that film if they save like you know the craziest theory for them i don't remember feeling that way because i i remember really liking the uh you know, I like the the space race one. I like the moon landing, but I, I don't think that's like, I don't think that's saved for the end of the film. I don't think so, because at the very least, that's like a theory that you could say, whether or not it actually happened or not, it's at least plausible. And well, it's entertaining on its own. It's an interesting yeah. like story, even if it's like totally just you know just made up. If there's really nothing to it, right? And I think that's the you know the hook with this one where. You know, on its own, these three shadow figures, like one with a hat, not really that interesting. But it's when you've connected them that so many people are saying that they see like the same right. thing, or they draw the exact like same exact shape, and they sort of move and introduce themselves in the same way. That to me is like more interesting than you know a cat with red eyes like speaking gibberish because that's mm-hmm. while well, creepy. If I saw that in reality, uh, I, I don't know. It's like. I'm sort of like judging these people unfairly because I'm not experiencing the sleep paralysis, but like, it's like when we go to the movies and we see, you know, Neo do Kung Fu, it's like, well, right. you, you, then you got to up it to where he's, you know, he's fighting on LA freeway or he's, you know, the burly brawl, you know, it's like, you got to up the ante so much. If he just did, you know, Kung Fu fight with agent Smith one-on-one through three movies, you'd be like, yeah, I've seen that before, whatever. But if, right. you know, if you saw that in real life, It'd be the craziest thing you'd, you'd ever seen. <laughs> but so I'm not trying to dismiss, you know, the uh, creepiness of a cat speaking like gibberish backwards or whatever with red eyes. But in Dreamscape, you know, what is that? Like a six? You know, it's not. It's not quite up. Right, there. right. Uh, which what does make that one even creepier is that that was the chick having one at the same time as the guy that was laying next to her was having one, and he, like the other, like Shadow Man was like threatening him and talking to him. So uh, that adds a little bit of a layer of creepiness. Like, wait a minute, you were both having, I, like I just see it as a symbiotic relationship. Like we see in unicorn store where it's like, you have, <laughs> you have brought this, you've, <laughs> you've told this young lady to chase her dreams. You've encouraged this to like vent her frustrations. And now she's a walking nightmare. Now she's Brie Larson. <laughs> now she's... <laughs> 
Well, you know, I'll say this. Ronnie Asher's uh, documentaries, they are not standard fare like documentaries. They are uh, – they have a different feel to them, and, and uh, I certainly probably wouldn't say they're for everybody just because – because they have kind of that that odd feel to them, but I I, I gave this one credit for uh, it was engaging and it was a subject matter that like I wasn't real familiar with. You know, I, I think I'd heard of sleep paralysis, but I, w- I I was not aware of what it was to the extent of what the movie showed it. So uh, I I think he he kind of seems to have a trend now of um, doing like documentaries, but doing it on creepy-ish subjects. I, he He's done a, a short film. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It was pretty good. It's called <laughs> The S from Hell. And uh, it's uh, like an old 1960s uh, studio uh, logo that would play like after like cartoons or different shows. I think it was Screen Gems or something. But it's like a yellow and red uh, logo. It makes like an S, but it has like these weird digital sounds and stuff. And apparently there's, like, several people that, like, ha- have been in agreement, like, when they were a kid. Like, that sound and that image, like, gave them nightmares. Like, it was, like, it freaked them out. And it's a harmless-looking logo and, and sound and stuff, but whatever reason, like, it freaked some people out. Like, it haunted them. <laughs> I, and, think, I uh, think there's a common theme with both our selections here that you don't necessarily chase every whim that a person has. You don't, you don't <laughs> whether it be you know, going to the store to, to get your unicorn that's been set aside for you. <laughs> or this, you know, one thing that you found creepy, I'm trying to think maybe you have something. Is there something like you find creepy that you realize on the face of it, there's nothing inherently there that anyone else would think is creepy or like just off putting. Uh, not not being 100% lucid awake and, you know, everything's normal. I've had, you know, I remember as a child I had, like, a dream of, like, a newscast where, like, the weather person had, like, this weird alarm sitting in front of them, and it was going off. And there was really nothing else more than, than that, but, like, it really freaked me out. And it kind of, I mean, the fact that, I mean, I was probably four or something when I dreamed that. I remember that dream to this day, so, I mean, that tells you something. But being lucid and telling you that dream, I'm like, I, I don't know why it was scary. It's just the way it made me feel. I, I don't Do you know. know what I mean? if, if I saw a broadcast, local news, and a weather guy was staying there, and yet he kept, like, hitting this alarm, and there was no if there was no mention of why that alarm was going off or, you know, definitely why is it being presented on stage or screen, and he just right. kept, like, I'll get to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would kind of creep me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was unsettling. It certainly was. But but no, as far as like <laughs> regarding this S from hell, I can't say that there's been anything that is uh, unintentionally scary that would uh, I can not that I can think of anyways. But Sam Jackson in a pink suit. I'll be having bad dreams about that for sure. <laughs> I like to think that was a favor from like a Captain Marvel buddy or you know their friends or whatever. Like I. I felt like there was something there, like I'm doing you a solid, solid with that one. They've done several movies together now. It's weird. That's a weird little duo. I don't know if it's intentional or if it's just coincidental. But yeah, and I didn't care for him at Kong. all. And Captain Captain Marvel, um, just I still haven't seen Captain Marvel. To be honest, uh, it's a uh, you know I, I think maybe I like my Brie Larson, just sort of like zany and annoying. 
because mm. they, even though he's got tinsel in his hair and he seems like he's having a grand old time, I've seen Sam Jackson to a certain extent with that type of personality that we've seen in Unicorn Store. But seeing him go way over the top zany as Nick Fury, now granted a young Nick Fury, and like playing the Anne Hathaway to her James Franco hosting the Oscars, where she's nearly comatose, and he's like all over the wall like Tasmanian Devil, like head spinning. <laughs> <laughs> I did find that their chemistry in Captain Marvel, it's like, man, they really put it on him to like bring home the zingers in uh, the Marvel movie, because they, they didn't have another backup to be like the comedic one. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's him as Nick Fury. I was like, this is quite the quite the leap that he took and you know 10 20 years time to become that grizzled old vet but <laughs> right uh yeah so uh glad you got to see brie larson's directorial debut you'll be following her career like uh mr asher is that his last name you'll be right yeah there. i don't think brie larson wants me to uh no she's got no time for you or me really no. like, actually yeah. she, that, she'll never hear these criticisms or these complaints but i i left a fair review on letterboxd um not that it matters. My <laughs> the, the scale for me as a <laughs> white dude <laughs> means that, that it doesn't go in yep. the algorithm. No. That's fine. It's uh as I've said before on another movie podcast, uh it's still it's still all right to be a white guy. Still pretty good. <laughs> I have no problems. I have no problems. Just don't you know you don't have to make me the bad guy is all I'm saying. I mean I ain't trying to hurt nobody, so it's all good. Uh, I think you did a little bit. I think you were hoping I had bad dreams. I think that was. I think that was your. You may have been uh, vouching for the quality of your movie, but I think you were. You're hoping that there was going to be a little creep factor that kind of stuck in my subconscious. Originally, no, but when, then once you gave me your selection, I was like, well, at least there's that. I think I went maybe, nuclear maybe, on you maybe as far as you your subconscious. It's like, <laughs> dude. You, okay, let me give everybody a peek behind the curtain here. <laughs> Even right now, I don't really know what we're recording. I don't know if this is something we're doing as a bonus episode, one of our other shows, or if you're testing the waters for something. So the, for the past couple weeks, or however long it was that you suggested this, once you revealed to me the movie you, you chose, part of me was like, Man, this, is a, this is a prank. This is an elaborate <laughs> prank. I, I don't know why we're doing this, uh-huh. or why we're, why we're sharing movies back mm-hmm. and forth, but uh, it's that's a why prank. I, That's why I wanted to send you photographic evidence. I am watching Unicorn Store. I'm <laughs> I am watching yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, okay. I guess he's watching it. But there, there, there was certainly a part of me. I was like, I, there, there's something larger in play here than what I understand. I don't know what it is. I'm I'm getting a pretty good sense, and I think you know whatever listeners we're gonna have for you know whatever this is, um, they're gonna good good sense of you why you chose the nightmare that you're like. I'm getting an idea of how this you know how this strange thing has befallen me in my life, but it, it fits somewhere in the narrative. <laughs> uh, but as Josh mentioned, we also uh, you can hear us uh, semi on the semi regular uh, with our lesser half. Uh, Jared on Sober Cinema, where we look at anniversaries of uh, two movies, a, a successful one and not so successful, over on uh, over on Sober Cinema. So, I don't think we've done anything. We've done some documentaries, but I don't think yeah. we've done anything quite like Unicorn Store. But you know what? It wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing a year from now 
to put this on our co-host, Jared. You and I probably wouldn't rewatch that, it. That's, but. Okay, that, that was the one out I was going to give you on that statement. I was like, I'm not watching it again. <laughs> but if we can find a way to force Jared to watch it, then I'll get, I'll get great amusement from that. So that, that works. There's another. I don't know if that's. Well, that's definitely a, a devil's pact between <laughs> two devils. <laughs> Working on the <laughs> each shoulder of poor Jared Dotson. <laughs> Man, you talk about uh, you know what? I take it back. It's not that great to be a white guy if you're Jared Dotson over at Supper <laughs> Cinema. <laughs> yeah, he needs some street cred or something. He's <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just needs the nightmare to end. His life. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. It's a pretty good promo for Supper Cinema. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, tune in and hear our friend Jared be miserable. Documenting his final days. (laughs) 